today's message. Some have said, I've got many videos, I've got many sermon outlines of what I ought to preach today. And I appreciate it. Our information is always good. Videos I look at and think, wow, it's wonderful. But I've been here since the beginning. I'm not talking about, you know, Adam and Eve. <laughs> and I've always paid attention to what I felt God would have us deliver in messages and in series, etc. And I'm going to stay that way. I never, I want, I want you to please pay attention here because some of you are not going to like it. I'm, not, I'm never going to allow this pulpit to divide us. I don't know what party you might be. We have independents here right now. We have Democrats right here right now. We have Republicans right here right now. And after Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday... The election will be over. But Victory Church will meet next Sunday, Democrat, Republican, or Independent. Are you listening? I will continue to pastor after all this is over. And I want to be careful during this season of cautiousness that I don't say anything that would create an angst in any of you because I trust you and I pray for you. Sharon and I believe in you. And if you seek God's will, you take a look at this scripture, you're going to be okay. Amen? You will. And no matter what you do, we're going to love you. And when the election is over, whoever wins, be Christian. Don't let me pilfer through Facebook and say, great day in the morning. Have they lost their ever-loving mind? Their candidate won, and they are gloating all over Facebook, all over Instagram, over Twitter, Twitter, whatever, Twitter, whatever it is. I mean, we're going to be Christians. Everybody with me? I know you love me because you've got to love somebody you don't like, some of you. But I just want to be your pastor, not only in the political season. I'm going to be all the time. And in every challenge, we're still going to be there. So I told someone the other day, I think it was Sharon, I said, you know what? If I could get this person right here as excited about lost souls. If I could get them excited about all their talking and all their posting and all that, just one more soul, just one more. Wow, a lot of people would be saved. So let's be sure we keep the main thing, the main thing. You with me? So I want to thank you. Thank you. This is Mission Sunday. And uh, so I pray that you'll honor our missionaries. And uh, every single one of them uh, have received their funds from Victory Church without fail because many of you are faithful. You are faithful to make the commitments. And as you are faithful to make the commitments, the missions money, as you give it, goes right out to our missionaries and to the designated purpose that they have. And then we appreciate that. Uh, let me just pause here. Our, uh, our football team needs a little prayer. I mentioned them last week, but they've been beat up. I think we got two broken arms, a broke leg. Uh, so, so we're praying a torn meniscus and uh, whatever, whatever the case of one or two of them, I think, uh, don't know where they're at just yet after the hard hits, but they'll get it. So pray for the football team, the volleyball team. The volleyball team uh, uh, won second place in the regionals, and those girls are sassy, and they're tough. <clears throat> but I'm, I'm gonna crow, I'll crow a little bit now. My granddaughter, Annalise Roth, uh, that's Lori's daughter in Wayne. Uh, she played uh, with, she's a Lakeland High School golf team. Uh, but they played in Howie in the Hills, a very good course there with the, all the Fl Florida High School. 
the highest level of high school is a 3A, and so she's in 3A. But I'm happy to report that uh, uh, she came in third in the state of Florida over the weekend, shot a 65 on uh, Saturday. And if you know anything about golf, a 65 is a very, very good score that few of you in this room. I think my lowest score, my last time I played was like 102. And one over the fence, because I thought, golf no good, I'll bat this thing. So we, uh, we appreciate uh, these, uh, these teams, and, and very, very good. God is so good. Amen. How many have a need? You raise your hand. Say, I have a need, prayer need. All right. We're going to pray and believe God. Uh, Father God, I, I uh, saw all the hands lifted and all those at home. And God, <clears throat> I know when I talk about subjects like this, the, the spirit of just smother comes over the church. They just get real quiet. But Lord, there are those who are fighting off COVID like Deanne Brown and her husband John are fighting COVID. They're in that danger zone. But you can heal them. And God, Terry Stanley's had to be readmitted to the hospital. He was in there for several, several days fighting and now pancreas or something. He's back. And God, we know that you're able to minister because some are, are needing that special, special touch today. I pray that as we engage now through the Holy Spirit, that every need would be met and lives would be changed and people would be healed. I pray for business. I pray for finance. I pray, Lord Jesus, for our nation and the elections. America belongs to you. We're misbehaving right now on every angle. Our country is not paying much attention to you, Lord. But you still are in control. I pray your will would be done. And Jesus, I thank you because I know that you love us and you care for us. Now, I pray you'd minister and meet every single need of our congregation, any business, any family. Bring healing to them. For it is not by might nor by power, but by your Holy Spirit, in your name, amen, amen. One more time, give the Lord a clap offering. Would you do that? Thanks, Kevin. Have you ever said they're crazy? Ever said that about anybody? They've lost their mind. They're loco. How many said it re recently? How many feel like you're crazy yourself sometimes? Sure. Sure, they're, they're nuts. What have they done? They've lost their ever-loving mind. I've, I've said that before. Matter of fact, I've said it about some of you before. And I know that that's vice versa. You see, we understand that God builds by precepts. And that God leads and guides and directs by giving us basic principles to be guided by. It's called a biblical worldview. This is what the Bible says. This is how I will function. And my family will be raised according to the basic principles of the Word of God. It's called a biblical worldview. Syed Qutb. Syed Qutb, of course, was an Egyptian radical politician. Uh, he read the same books that Hitler read. He uh, developed a worldview of hatred and violence. He hated the West. That's us. He hated all Jews. He hated Christians. He despised them. He was a dangerous man. He provoked violence with anyone that would listen to him. As a matter of fact, in 1960, the Egyptian government arrested him and placed him in jail. Placed him in jail. He continued to spread his violence until finally they said, we're just going to snuff him out. So they killed him. You're done. Challenge was is Syed had a brother. His name was Muhammad. Muhammad was his brother, and his brother picked up the same basic principles as Syed did. And his brother, of course, taught in the university there in Saudi Arabia. And so as he taught and taught all those principles, 
Well, they had one star student that took it up, and that star student said, I will live out this in real life, honoring Syed and honored you, Muhammad. And that star pupil was Osama bin Laden. Osama bin Laden gained and owned the same worldview as Syed and the same worldview as Muhammad and brought it right here to America Ideas and beliefs have consequences. They're either positive or they're negative. Every idea has a consequence that, consequence that it's good or, in fact, it's bad. And every day you are molded by what you hear on the news, what you read in the paper, what you might uh, study, what someone might say to you in a speech. Your, your mind is affected in whatever way you choose to allow it to be affected. But here's what I want to remind you of out of this message today. We are challenged by God that we ought to have God's perspective. What do you say about that? In other words, I want my thoughts to be the thoughts that God thinks. Amen? Help me out, everybody. I want to think like God. Amen? So if I'm thinking like God... I know that his thoughts are right here. So I can bounce everything that I hear, everything that I see, everything right here. What is a worldview? I'm glad you asked. Worldview is the beliefs that I build my life on. I've chosen to build, Sharon and I, our life upon the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's how I view everything in life. It's how I view God and how I view myself and how I view other people. I am to love everybody. It's how I view Satan. I believe he's a liar. He is a deceiver and there's no truth in him. And he is an enemy of God, an enemy of the church, and the enemy of every person that claims to know Jesus Christ. It includes my thoughts about my life, about death, about present things. One of the things that you have to do as a believer is to immerse yourself in the Word of God so that the worldview of a culture that's gone haywire does not adversely affect you to begin to believe what they believe, not based on the Word of God. And ultimately, it comes in the form of a package called compromise. Wrong is wrong and right is right. Say that with me. Wrong is wrong and Right is right. Right can be judged. Everybody has a worldview. Even the great theologian, Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump, of course, said, I have a worldview. Life is like a box of chocolates. That was his worldview. Here's what 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Paul writes, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, The old has passed away, the new has come. The Living Bible translation says this. When anyone becomes a Christian, he becomes a new person inside. The old passes away and the new life has begun. Let me tell you how warped we can be sometimes. Some of you may remember as a younger person or as a a child. And someone telling you, my Lord of mercy, you're the most uncoordinated kid I've ever seen. Or you know what? You're not good at sports. Hang it up and go read some books. Or you're shy. You need to wake up and not be shy. Or here's another. You're never going to amount to anything. Or you're not good at math. Try English. Nope, you're not good at that either. And what we do as an individual, a kid, a young adult, a teenager, whatever the case, is we, we catalog that. We download that into our mind and into our system, and before you know it, that becomes a worldview. I'm no good. I'm no count. Nobody cares for me. You need to know that when you get saved, behold, that old lie that you've been told all of those years is now washed away, and now there's a new opportunity for you to rebuild from the inside out. You might say, you know what? I don't know what's happening to me. I don't, I, I've been praying and I'm not getting this and I'm not getting that. And I, I thought that would happen. You see, we understand that when we give our life to Jesus and when we trust him 
And when we stand upon his word, and his word is our worldview, it really doesn't matter what's happening in your life. It doesn't matter whether you get prayers answered or not. It doesn't matter whether you hit conflict. It doesn't matter whether you get sick. The bottom line, your war, war worldview is this. I'm standing on the rock of Jesus Christ. My God has me in the palm of his hand, and nothing that is formed against me is going to prosper. God, whatever happens, happens. I am in your care. And you know what we do? We eradicate a lot of worry because you get to choose. God is not going to push his worldview on you, but culture and society will push it on you by repetition over and over and over and over. Let me give you seven things that, that, that you say from my vantage point, none of these seven adversely affect me. Well, friend, you get a good education when you travel. Number one, materialism. It's more, 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 more. It's the only thing that really matters in life. It's the acquisition of things. Here's what it's called, materialism. They believe in life, liberty, and the purchase of happiness. If I can't afford it, I'll get a credit card. I can use that. We think if we have more, we're worth more. Not true. We think that our worth is the same thing as those things that we have. Here it is. The one with the most toys always wins. Wow. Luke 12, 15, the man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. You agree or disagree? I said agree. Everybody agree? Raise your hand. Everybody that doesn't agree, don't move. There you go. We got all agreeables. Me first. Me first. Well, I got to look out for old number one. Ha. You know what? The me first mentality. You see, here it is. It's say, whatever I want, I get. The media blasts, the magazines tell you in the stories, you've got to think of yourself first. Motivational speakers will say, you've got to think of old number one. You've got to think of yourself first. That's not what this worldview says. We live in a world today, and this present generation for the last 40 years is the me generation. Individualism. Individualism says, I don't really care how you like this or how you view it. I, I don't care. I don't care if the kids weep. I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't care about the marriage. It's me I want you to know I'm going to live for. And I don't care what the people at work think, period. I don't care what the boss thinks, period. I don't know what the, care what the nation does, period. I'm not going to be responsible. Why? It's you first. It's all about you, Mr. Smart Person. It's totally self-centered centered, individualistic way. I'm going to ignore people that get in my way. I'm going to ignore teachers that disagree or teach what I don't believe. I'm just not going to do it. Well, here's what Matthew 16, 25 says. If you try to keep life for yourself, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find what? True life. Here's another. Hedonism. Hedonism is the most important thing. Hedonism is how I feel. If I feel good, you're okay. If I don't feel good, look out. All my decisions is based on what I feel. If I feel good, then it's good no matter what I'm doing. It doesn't matter. No matter what I'm doing, if I feel good, it's good. If I feel bad, then it's bad. The feeding's Come because we begin to judge everything by pleasure and by feeling. And you're living for comfort, and that's your entire goal is I'm going to be comfortable. Let me tell you something. The best life is not a life full of comfort. The best life is full of obedience. Obedience to God. God is the one who created pleasure, but pleasure is not the goal for life. But it is the benefit of any family or any man or any woman. Pleasure is the benefit of serving God completely. Pleasure comes. He created it. Proverbs 21, are you addicted to thrills? What an empty life. The pursuit of pleasure is never, ever 
satisfied. Do you get that? The pursuit of pleasure in your life. You'll never be satisfied. Well, here's another, pragmatism. Well, they're very practical. Pragmatism. It doesn't matter if it's right or wrong, does it? It doesn't matter if it hurts anybody or not. If it works for you, it's good. It's, that's the way it is. What are you, whatever you're doing is right. The only thing wrong in our society today that many people believe, if you tell someone that what they're doing is wrong, you're wrong. You ought to keep your mouth shut. If you stand up and you say, hey, same-sex marriage according to this word, you're going to get shunned by society. If you say, you know what, you ought to go to church every single week, they're going to say you're just too religious and you're stupid and weak. And that's what they'll say as it relates. You need to be practical. The idea of whatever works is for pragmatism. The problem is there are things that work that are evil. Hello? Things that are not good. Things that you do that's just, well, it worked for me. Yeah, but Grady said it's a crime. Many of you may or may not know, but we had a fire in the ladies' restroom. What a way to start. On Thursday, an uncomely individual that came in about, I don't know, quarter to five or so, and stood there and asked to see one of the ministers, turned and walked away, went to the women's restroom over here. Tim and Glenn began to look for him, try to find where he went. And they looked around, and finally Tim peeked his head in there, and the guy was seated on that sofa in the women's bathroom. Tim got him and said, you need to get out of here. Let's go. Go outside. Tim did not realize at that time the fires that he set in six or seven of the stalls, in the toilet paper bins, in the paper seat bins, had not caught good yet. Tim escorted him out the front door. Glenn came back around opened the door, smokes everywhere, and hey, you ladies want hot seats, we have them now. (laughs) They were on fire. Called the Lakeland Police Department, 911. I'm here to tell you the Lakeland Police Department loves Victory Church. I think every car they have showed up out there. But I can also tell you, I can also tell you the Lakeland Fire Department loves you because they sent every big bomber truck they had, I think, out here. And some that was not so big, the Lakeland Fire Department. So they commenced to get it out and they were able to get it out before there was much damage. I guess replacing some sealant tiles, sealing tiles, getting rid of some of the stench that that burning, I've never smelt burning toilet paper that I know of, but it doesn't smell good. And uh, so they're able to get that taken care of. Grady Judd called me about 9 o'clock Thursday night. Preacher, I'm just coming back into Lakeland. I've been up in Maryland. I understand they tried to burn our church down. I said, well, Grady, guess what? We've been praying for revival and the fire failed finally. And as usual, the fire fell on the women. (laughs) He said, yeah, I bet. He said, I knew it'd be that firestone, fire and brimstone message you've been preaching. That's what started it, I'm sure. And we talked about that. He said, oh, by the way, did you know that is a federal offense? If you come into a church and you set it on fire, there are people in there. That's a federal offense. He said he will pass through to the feds. And I'm telling you, they won't think it's funny at all. I said, well, they said that he might have been just a little, you know, not altogether there. He said it won't matter to them. So we need to pray for that guy. They did apprehend him and arrest him in just a matter of minutes. And so from then till about 11 o'clock at night, they were here. So I'm saying, well, you know, Lord, it's pretty interesting. Why? I mean, what a testimony. I mean, they don't like us enough to come set us on fire. But it's not the second or first time 
because before we ever moved into this building, had a friend came to my office one day. We were two or three weeks away from moving in this building, and he said, Wayne, I'd love to see it. I'm by here all the time, and you know, I live in, I'd love to see your facility. I, man, I'm busy, but the Holy Spirit prompted me and said, show him the building. I said, can we move quickly? So we just ran as quickly as we could, and I came around the stairs up on that second level up there, and there was a big old fire in, in the carpet. Someone had, had sprayed flammable material on it and set it on fire. Uh, it was a brand new carpet. Had I waited another few minutes, it would have consumed that entire hallway there. But God had a way of letting us see it. So, so that was the second time that that has happened. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. God's hand of protection hovers over us as we honor him. Somebody say, let's give God a praise offering. Would you do that? <coughs> it was practical that Hitler thought in his deranged mind that he ought to get rid of six million Jews in World War II. Whatever works, I'll wipe them out. Proverbs 14, there is a way that seems right to a man... But in the end, it leads to death. You don't break God's universal law and expect God to be pleased and for it to work. You say, I don't know that I believe in the law of gravity. Something's really wrong with you then. So you go to the Empire State Building and you have that pragmatism. I don't weigh very much. I'm going to find out the wind currents that high up will catch me. And you jump off. One of your buddies is about halfway down. He's halfway down. And as you go by him, he says to you, how's it going? And you say, so far, so good. He gets about, I don't know, 100 feet off the ground. Another one says, how's it going? So far, so good. Splat. The point is this. You can't violate. You can't violate this. You might get by. You might. but you may not. And when you break the basic principles of God, God will, in fact, let you see the consequence of that doesn't work. Here's number five, naturalism. Natural. God doesn't exist. That's naturalism. Naturalism is atheism. Most atheists don't want to admit that they're atheists. They just believe that everything in life is a result of random chance. <laughs> that we're all accidents of nature. That there's no creator, no grand designer, no God, because God doesn't exist. Well, let me just tell you something, a little secret here. If God doesn't exist, neither do you. And the last time I checked, there's a whole lot of you that look like you exist. Amen? Though I have prayed from time to time for a few in traffic that they would not exist. So that, that, defeats, their, that defeats their ideology. You see, it's, it's God does matter. And he does exist. The purpose that there is, there is no God whatsoever. If you, look at, if you look at creation, the earth, on its axis, if it's one degree one way, we freeze to death. If it's one degree another way, we burn up. But God keeps the earth on its axis moving perfectly because that's how he created it. It takes a far deeper faith to believe that it just happened than to believe that there was a creator and designer behind it. God is God. Humanism. 
This is number six. Well, how many more do you have? I'll tell you in a minute. You are your own God. You act like God. Somebody told me that one time. I, I said, get used to it. I didn't know what to say. I just came up with the best thing I could come up with right then. Nobody's God. You're not God. You say, well, I don't have that problem. I have enough people that beat me up all week long. I know I'm not God. I have enough challenges. I know that I'm not God. But listen, there are people today in high levels many times since they don't worship God they worship themselves they believe they're the God I am a master of my own fate I determine my own destiny I am in charge you are divine you are God if you work you will determine what it is with no help from anyone that's what the devil tipped in Adam and Eve said if listen if you eat of this you'll be God that was the temptation he still does that today Romans 1 25 they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and they worship created things rather than the creator what did they worship idols they worshiped individuals with great talents and abilities, great leaders. The one basic belief, that's new age belief. We're wired to worship something and someone. That's why God wired us, but it was that we would worship Him. That's why we sing, to God be the glory to God be the glory, to God be the glory, great things he has done. Do you believe that? It's all God theism. Theo is a Greek word for God. Theology is the study of God. The Bible says God created us for a purpose. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're created for a purpose. Yeah, you're created for a purpose. You see, the Bible says that God created us for the purpose. Judaism and Christianity are theistic worldviews that God made for a purpose. And so Paul writes in Colossians 1.16, for everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. You're looking for purpose? Get into the principles of the Word of God. Now, there are two common things that they could be considered myths. Number one, here it is, the sincerity myth. How many of you ever believed something, believed you were absolutely right? And you found out before it was over that you were absolutely wrong. Anybody? I'm going to say it again because I only have a few hands. How many has ever thought you were right and before it was over you proved you were wrong? Thank you. No, 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 no. I'm preaching. You're not going to do this. Amen. This is time to get rid of some of that burden. If you, if you thought you were absolutely right and someone proved you are dead wrong, come on and man up. Get it up real high. Amen? That's good. I'm glad to see several of you that I know. But you know what you would say? You would say, well, I was, at least I was sincerely wrong. Amen? I'm sincere. I really believed it with everything under the sun. Sincerely wrong. Sincerely wrong. But see, here's, here's the situation. You can believe something and be courted by a culture that will not base their opinion on, on this book. And you can buy it hook, line, and sinker. And you can have different worldviews. 
Some people have a church worldview when they're at church. Some people have a business worldview in their business. Some people have a relationship when you're dating worldview in the dating relationship. And God says, if you've got all these changing worldviews, though sincerely you might think those are right, you should have one worldview. And that worldview should emanate everything in your life. Emanate everything in your life. It's no reason, the Bible said, that individuals that, that are hunting for relationship don't be unequally yoked. That's why it says, when you get married, find somebody that believes, if you're a spiritual person, believes in the Lord like you do. Not all of a sudden they get saved when you decide to date them a little bit. Because that will come back and haunt you. Dealing with a couple that, that she's Pentecostal and he was, in fact, of a different persuasion of faith. Well, that'll be okay, Pastor. Will it? Well, now they have a child. Do you know what the big boom is in their marriage right now? How that child is going to be raised and where they're going to raise it in church. So it was all good. We'll work it out. Greek for hogwash. The biblical worldview is what works. Pay attention to that. Here's what I found out. Barna did a little research, and the research found that 62% of Americans consider themselves to be deeply spiritual, but when you drill down, they found out that only 24% said they make moral choices based on what feels comfortable. Well, I made it, I mean, I felt good about it. And then it went on, 16% said they make moral choices based on the Bible. 16% base their moral choices on this book right here. So I had a mother. See, Pastor, my son is having sex. Okay. What do you want me to do? Well, I know they're going to do it. And he's, he's young and he's got all these revved up engines. And he ought to go ahead and get his wild oats out now. I said, you mean, you mean go ahead and get permission from you to just go for it? Is that so bad? Now this person is sincere. New, new, to, new to church. And if you watch culture, culture say, leave them alone. If you stand up and say, no, 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 you're narrow-minded. But this book says, you playing with fire. Everybody good? Well, what did you tell them, Pastor? I said, according to the Bible, a woman and a man is to remain morally pure uh, until marriage. And mommy and daddy if you don't believe that, don't be surprised when little Junior comes along 
unplanned. Let the choir say amen. You see, those are the things that you have to stand. Proverbs 4.23, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. And here's what he's saying, that you and I, if we're born again, if you're born again, say amen. 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 If you're born again, he says you ought to be able to say why you're born again. You ought to be able to say, we're in the Bible, I'm born again, and let me tell you what the Bible says. That's what I believe. And he said, but far too many in culture cannot do that. 1 Peter 3.15 says, always be ready to give a logical defense to anyone who asks you to account for the hope that is in you, but do it courteously and respectfully. What we believe and why we believe it is important in today's culture. I believe it. I trust it. So how do we do that? How do we strengthen what our worldview is? How many think your worldview ought to be based on this book? Say amen. I'm going to need more than that. If you believe it, say amen. There you go. We believe it. So let me tell, learn the truth. All right, learn the truth. Say, I don't believe what you're saying, preacher. Get the book. Learn the truth. Learn the truth and never reject it. God, or get wisdom and self-control and understanding. We learn the truth. This first step to a strong biblical worldview is get the truth and build on it. You remember Jesus gave the last thing that he said in the Sermon on the Mount, talked about two guys, one built on the sand and the other built on the, on the rock. You remember that? Here's what he said. Listen up, everybody. He said, the guy that builds on the sand, the wind and the waves will come, but when it comes, it will just mow it down. And he said, but the guy who builds on the rock, when the wind and the waves come, the guy who built on the rock, his house will stand. And what he said was, you can build your life on hit and miss, and you can build it on the sand a little bit of concrete he said when the pressure comes you okay but he said if you build on the rock the rock of Christ Jesus it will stand and what we need today in the culture in which we live and listen America no matter who wins this Tuesday Wednesday Thursday or Friday no matter who wins America is going to need a whole lot of prayer I mean a lot of prayer. Learn the truth and never reject it. Get wisdom, self-control, and understanding. And then discern what is false. That's a lie. 1 John 4, 1. Don't believe everything you hear. Carefully weigh and examine what people tell you. Not everyone who talks about God comes from God. There are a lot of lying teachers loose in this world. We have to discern what is false. We have to discern it. We have to know, hey, this is, this is false. And often the teacher will be an angel of light. Number three, turn from the world to the Word. You see, Hannity is not going to give you your spiritual food. And Blondie on Fox and Friends is not going to give you your spiritual food. And CNN and ABC, OBC, all of them together. And in your house is the standard of truth. And you can go to it anytime. Turn from the world to the Word. Romans 12, 2, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Belief determines behavior. If you believe in the worldview of Scripture, it will determine your behavior. They won't shake you. You're built on the solid rock. We must not adjust to the culture, no matter what people are saying. Proverbs 15, 14, a wise person is hungry for truth while the fool feeds on trash. Had a lady the other day, she's in Publix and coming out. I've asked her, 
She had about three trash magazines in her buggy. She tried to cover them up with an apple. I thought, you ain't cover that up with an apple. That'd be a big old apple. I just read this for entertainment, Pastor. Yeah. Luke 12, 31, God will give you all you need from day to day if you make the kingdom of God your primary concern. So here it is. You've heard the preaching. I placed the points out there. I've lovingly tried to make it humorous and lovingly tried to say, hey, pay attention here. There are no perfect people in this room. I know we're all guilty of something sometime. But let Jesus and the Word of God and His church be a primary concern. I'm pastor here. You ought to be as concerned about people as I am. So I don't see so-and-so over there. Are they sick or are they just kind of taking their time? Hello, so-and-so, you sick? You afraid to get, you afraid you get COVID? I understand that fear. But I tell you what, come with me. Sunday, and we'll sit somewhere in the church where we'll be far away from anybody. Be concerned. No words. Primary concern says God is first. If he's first, then everything else, listen, you young people, if God is first, everything else falls in line. If you do it God's way, everything else Pause in line. Let's give the Lord a clap offering, would you? Would you stand, please? We know that there are some of you, you say, well, boy, I just feel like I got beat up. That's not the goal, to beat you up. What you might feel is conviction, and that's positive. That's positive. It says God loves you. Well, I don't know how he could love me. I've just done some old mean, nasty things. He still loves you. Matter of fact, he, he's really good at loving old mean, nasty people. He really is. The imperfections of people, he loves, he loves that. So you hear, and we're going to pray a prayer. We're just going to ask God to forgive us. And then I'm asking you, this is the first in this series of three or four messages that we're developing this is the first one. But I'm asking you to pay attention. What's your worldview? Determine what it is you believe based on this book. Just do that. So let's pray and repeat, please. Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father I thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. Lord, Jesus, forgive me. Lord Jesus, forgive I've made mistakes. I've made, mistakes. I've made bad decisions. And I am asking you for a clean heart. Lord, you know my heart. You know when I'm weak. And I need your help. So I ask you now, as I confess my sin, for complete forgiveness. Liberate me. Because when you do, I know that I'm free. So in the name of Jesus... The name above every name. I'm standing on that word and declaring I have been redeemed. Bless my nation as elections are coming. Guard my heart and give me help to trust you through it all. And I'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I got to tell you, you look great today. Encourage some of the ones that you know to slip on back in here. And then let me encourage you, plan to be here on Wednesday night. They're going to sing a song, and in a moment, you're going to see a card come on the screen. Those of at home, you're going to see it. 
And if you need help and you need prayer, you say, well, I made that commitment. Let God help you. Where there is a will, there is a way. That's it. So if we trust God, God will help us and we'll be more than overcomers through Christ Jesus. Amen. I love you, everybody. Thanks for being here. Here we go. He's Christ alone, the cornerstone, the weak and strong, and the Savior's love. And through the control. Can you raise one more praise in the house? God bless you. God keep you. We'll see you on Wednesday at our next experience. Go in peace. Aligning our worldview with God's truth is critical to our everyday lives and has a direct impact on the world around us. Before you head into this new week, make time to take an honest look at your beliefs and actions and pray about what might need to change. God is here for you and with you and will give you the wisdom you need if you simply ask. If we can assist you in any way, pray with you, or even if you've decided to follow Jesus, take a moment to post a comment online or send a quick text to 863-400-1226. We wanna celebrate with you and help you through the next steps in your faith journey. And remember, there is a place for you each Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. at Victory's North Campus. I hope you have a great day.